Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. One stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Give me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much. Much appreciated. All right, the Maple Leafs falling to the Edmonton Oilers 3-2 to two in overtime. And I'm going to play the final call here by Joe Bowen. And the Leafs defend the goal down to our left as Marner brings it in over the line with Matthews. And Matthews shot is stopped by Smith. Oh, my. It looked like it might have been over in a big hurry. Oilers back the other way with McDavid. McDavid in for Dreisand mode of Nurse, and they score! Darnell Nurse gets the winner for the Oilers. And that is how it ended. 3-2 Oilers was the final. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off of your next order. So to join me today to talk about that loss is... Dave Morissuti. Welcome back to the podcast. Dave, how are you? I'm, well, I mean, I wish I was uh, celebrating, well, talking about a Leafs win, but I uh, can't complain too much uh, otherwise. Yeah, you know what? Like, it, it's so, it was a good game. Like, the Leafs played well again, and, and you know, Mike Smith just made some really big stops, and you know, the Oilers are a good team. They really are. But, you know, this was a pretty, pretty fun game to watch, I thought, despite that, the you know, it wasn't a crazy high-scoring affair. I thought there was uh, uh, quite a few good chances on either end. And overall, uh, it seems like the Oilers were able to sneak out the victory in overtime. But, you know, this is easily a, a game that Toronto could have left with two points. Oh, for sure. I mean, they just watching that game start to finish, there weren't a lot of moments where you really felt nervous about the Leafs losing that game other than, you know, with, you know, less than five minutes left and it's a tie game and Connor McDavid can easily win a game on his own. But I felt like, you know, the Leafs, the Leafs have played with a pretty much consistent effort in all these games. And it's come down to one or two things that have either gone their way or gone against them. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at the Leafs and the Oilers. Like, the, the season matchup is over. Their season series, regular season series is over, uh, which kind of surprised me. Kind of, I was like, really? That's that's already, uh, you know, nine games? Like, that's quite, that's, there's still like 20 games to go on the year, and they've already played all their games against Edmonton. But um, they went 6-1-2 and two against the Edmonton Oilers this season. Obviously, Nurse ending it uh, in, in overtime. I want to talk about that overtime play, though, uh, before we get into the rest of the game here, because I want to talk more about the play and what was Austin Matthews doing on that play. I, I, I talked about this before when they won in overtime the other night, how remember when Matthews kind of kicked his leg out and, and intercepted a pass and then went down the other end and scored. Uh, I believe actually um, who it's Justin Hall jumped on that rebound and ended up getting the full two points and they ended up winning that game. Now, 
I also talked about, imagine he didn't break up that pass, how different it would have been, right? The Leafs, it would have been 3-on-0 going the other way. Tonight, it bit them. It seemed like to me, I don't know if you, you caught this, but they showed the replay of that play, and it seemed like Matthews was kind of baiting them to, to passing the puck to McDavid, and then he kind of ties up McDavid a little bit and then starts skating backwards, thinking he could try and keep up with him um, and, and try and say, hey, he's not covered, like don't pass him the puck, and then he just blows right past him. Give him a little spin, blows past him, and then it's a two-on-one the other way, and this time it did end up hurting them. Uh, did you, I don't know, do you have any thoughts on that play? I mean, for me, I just thought it was kind of a, just kind of a misstep by, by Matthews there in OT. Yeah. I mean, the, he was very, for, I, I always said that he was very fortunate on how his other play in the other overtime against Ottawa went, because it could have been a complete disaster had he not blocked that pass. And against this one, like, you know, what Connor McDavid's gonna do he's gonna use his his speed to get by you you have to you can't i i know that he was trying to you know slow him down almost like he did in the last game and mcdavid's not gonna fall for that twice he knows that he made a mistake in the last game letting matthews kind of you know collide with them so mcdavid will will find a way to get around you and it, this is the thing about three on three you miss an opportunity the counterattack is the most important thing to defend, especially when you don't have the numbers going the other way. So you can't be missing, you know, making a, a move like that and not set yourself up for potential, you know, for it to go completely wrong and against you. And that Matthew's just, it wasn't the best play. Um, I still think, I mean, that, that goal probably could have been stopped. I'm not blaming it on Hutchinson at all. I mean, it was a two on one. You kind of have to respect McDavid, but I mean, he had a good chance to stop it as well. But uh, I, I do think, yeah, Matthews didn't really read the situation as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely not. Just kind of a, a tough way to end the game where I thought that Toronto played well. They didn't make many mistakes. And that was probably one of the biggest mistakes of the game that they made. And it turned out to be the the difference between the win. And that kind of goes back to what you were talking about um, a moment ago. Just one or two things goes wrong uh, at the wrong time. And, and that's kind of been the difference between a win or a loss for Toronto as of late. And tonight, it's the difference between a loss. Uh, but outside of like that, like, I mean, Toronto, I thought, especially the top six, I, I thought they were pretty dangerous tonight. And and even like Muzzin and Hall, like that pairing, they kept McDavid and Dreisaitl lab bay i mean they only managed to get what 21 shots as a team um for me it's interesting i have this weird like it's almost like i talk out of both sides of my mouth because when i watch the oilers play when they play toronto i sit there and i say you know i don't understand why they put mcdavid dry settle together it makes them too one-dimensional you just got to shut down that one line and then they're screwed but then i watch them go out and do wonders against other teams when they're playing together and they score four or five goals a game and it's like yeah you got to keep this team together like you got to keep those two together they play absolutely amazingly but for whatever reason toronto really has like their number and they just can't get anything going like outside of the the play in overtime you know like they really didn't do much at all yeah um when when I when I think about the and it was the same, the Leafs did the same thing too. You know, we remember in the playoffs when they put Tavares, Matthews, and Marner together. 
when you when you do that, you seriously hamper what the rest of your lineup can do. That's why I've never been a fan of loading it up. And you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl. But but at least like when when Toronto did that, where they put Tavares, Martin. At least they had like. Hyman and Nylander and I think Kerfoot jumped up on that line kind of as like some secondary scoring, some secondary guys. It doesn't seem to me that Edmonton has that. If it's not McDavid and it's not Dreisaitl, they got nothing, absolutely nothing on those other lines, and they get outmatched by the yeah. depth in Toronto. So, you know, tonight, for example, you had the Matthews-Marner and, uh, you know, the Matthews-Marner line playing really well in a one-on-one matchup against the top line of McDavid and Dreisaitl, and then when it came down to it, you had the second line of uh, Nylander, Tavares, and Galchenyuk out dueling the second line on on uh, Edmonton, and then by you know the third and fourth lines were better for Toronto too. It's just the depth that the Leafs have uh, it, when they can shut down and throw everything at that one line and and effectively do it the way that they have all season long. Like they, McDavid and Drysdale have, have had issues all season long when it comes to Toronto, um, and, and when they can do that. Toronto can match up pretty well against this team. Again, tonight, uh, they just happened to... Again, they're also playing Michael Hutchinson, not one of their you know top goaltenders, top two goalies at least, whether it be Campbell or Anderson. And, and you know, it took them to overtime. But um, I, I just think that Toronto, uh, you know, or this McDavid and Dreisaitl line, I, I just, I don't know what, what they can do, like what the Oilers can do to beat... Toronto in like a seven game series. I feel like it, it wouldn't go. Like six one two through nine games. Toronto won yeah. six of the nine and got points in eight of the nine games against the Oilers. Yeah, I mean when I consider just looking at, you know, how they played in Edmonton. You know, the, the Oilers loaded up that top line and the rest of the lineup just couldn't do anything. That that to me that's 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 the result you should expect. What we saw tonight was, I, I think, partially, you know, would that Archibald chance go in if you have a different goal in that? Potentially, it's a breakaway. I mean, the odds generally kind of go to the shooter in some some of those cases. But, I mean, I, I just look at the way that the Oilers play. I mean, with the top, you know, two players in the league offensively, they sure don't have the puck a lot especially against the Leafs. Like the Leafs know that the best way to beat them is to keep the puck away from them. And really it's like a moment or two where, I mean, you look at the game before it was a moment or two where McDavid, you know, capitalizes on a turnover and it's in the back of the net. You know, they, they know the Leafs know that if you watch the Oilers play against any other team, it's McDavid and Drysell leading the show. You can't let them do that. So I think over over a series, the Leafs game would wear on the Oilers a lot more. Like the Oilers don't wear down, like they don't wear down the Leafs at all. You know, they're not possessing the puck in their own end a lot. Yeah, sure, they're getting more hits, but that's actually I felt like it was pretty marginal in that case. Like the, the Oilers weren't really doing anything to stop the Leafs. They were just kind of relying on Mike Smith, who was incredible over these two games. If you really look at the way he played and the saves he made. So we'll see. uh, We'll we'll see if that's the potential first round matchup, but that's what everyone's kind of thinking it's going to how it's going to play out. And I think there's a good opportunity that it will uh, end up that way. 
Yeah, whether it's the first or or the second round, it's it's possible that we can get seven games of this, and I would love it. Like, you know, through nine, they've been extremely close games. Like outside of the couple of blowouts they had, um, you know, back at Edmonton a few weeks ago, or I guess a month ago now. Outside of that, they've all been like one or two goal games. They've been really close, uh, relatively low scoring to what we thought they would be, to be honest with you, you know, three, two, two, one, three, one, uh, four, three. Like, remember we were expecting when these two teams first went up against each other early in the year, we we're thinking, Oh, everyone take the over. This is going to be a high scoring affair. It's going to be, you know, a massive six, four, seven, five win. And it just, it didn't quite do that. I think both of these teams uh, realize that if they make one little mistake, the opposition is going to counterattack and the opposition's going to you know make you pay so they've both kind of played rather timid hockey against one another and they don't want to give the opposing team an opportunity to score and it's kind of allowed both of these teams to play very simplified and and more defensive which is leading to these low scoring low event uh, hockey games um anything else from tonight's game that kind of really stuck out to you that you want to chat about um, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know what's going on with Morgan Riley. I, I looked yeah. at his game tonight and it, especially the, the first goal, he could have gone to that puck. He was very late to react when it was, it was, it was in front of him. He's like, I don't know what he was really looking for on that play. He, he just has not looked right all season, but this game, I really, really saw it. And I just I'm trying to figure out, you know, is this just, you know, is he dealing with an injury? Because that's always seems to be the thing everyone says. Or is he just at this stage where something is just not right with his with his game? And I'm I'm concerned about it. I, I will say I'm a little bit concerned. The offense isn't really worried it's supposed to be with them. And defensively, I, I just think he's uh he has just hasn't been there. Yeah, we've talked about it quite a bit on this show, right? How uh, he hasn't quite been, um, you know, the defensive, you know, the the top defenseman that we kind of expected him to become once he got a legitimate defensive partner in TJ Brody. Uh, if, if anything, he's actually become somewhat of a liability on Brody, and Brody's had to bail him out quite a bit, right? So, you know, you're, you're right. Um, there's something going on with with him maybe he is battling some injuries we know that you know he had that groin injury uh, a year ago maybe that's lingering a little bit and recurring here since they played so much hockey in such a short time span it was a weird off season where you know you couldn't get your regular training in and I know they're just coming off of some rest where they've gotten a lot of rest recently but you know still it's just as a whole, this season hasn't gone the way that I think everyone expected it to go for Morgan Riley. I think one of my like bold predictions at the beginning of the year was that he was going to be on the Norris ballot because I thought, yeah, you give this guy like a legitimate defensive partner like TJ Brody. Brody has made Giordano into uh, or allowed Giordano to become an elite Norris caliber defenseman. I thought maybe that that could be the exact same thing happened here with Morgan Riley, but it, it hasn't been the case. He has struggled mightily tonight. Obviously, um, another one, just not a good game. Uh, hopefully, that does kind of slow down, and and you know he could turn it around as we get towards the end of the season here with the playoffs coming up. Because you know you make those couple of mistakes in the playoffs, next thing you know you're down 2-0 in a seven game series, and uh, it's it's tough 
fighting back from that. So, you know, he's he certainly has to play better for Toronto for them to uh, to be successful. That's that's for sure. Um I guess the the other thing that I do want to get your opinion on cuz I haven't had you on in a little bit, but this is now game what 4 or 5 for Galchenyuk. Um I, I personally have actually liked his game. I have been pleasantly surprised with the effort level of Galchenyuk. Um, fighting for pucks, skating all over the ice. Uh, I've seen him lay a couple of hits, even um, getting some chances, creating offense. You know, I've I've liked what I've seen out of Galchenyuk. Uh, what have you seen? What do you like? And are you in favor of giving him an opportunity to claim that spot in the lineup in the two hole next to Tavares and Nylander? Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you said right there. I, you know. A lot of people were kind of iffy on adding Galchenyuk, and I, I was just like, you won't, you don't know until you try. And I think the the thing that really stuck out to me about Galchenyuk is he didn't start in the NHL when he joined the Leafs. They put him down with yep. the Marlies. Sometimes for players that that puts them off. And you know he was he was busting. I watched actually one of the games he played with the Marlies. He was really good, and. You know, I think he has the right attitude, and I felt like that was something that other teams maybe didn't feel like he had the right attitude. And, you know, the way he's played, you know, Tavares and and Nylander need a guy like that. And if he's willing to play like that from now until, you know, the end of the season and playoffs, I think you would have saved yourself having to potentially look for a top six forward potentially i'm not saying it's there yet i want to see a little bit more and maybe that's why kyle dubas hasn't pulled the trigger yet i still think that you know if you can add something you know add some depth it would be nice but i think elchernik deserves every opportunity to you know to play with the consistency that he's played with because it's you know Tavares and nylander haven't really been as big of a threat for a while and i think this addition has it's energized them. It's really, it's really interesting. You know, Nylander had really good things to say about Galchenyuk when they brought him in. And I thought to myself, Hmm, okay. That that's, that's quite promising. And I think maybe, you know, maybe that's the, that's that this solves your, your a problem for you. It's been a problem for the Leafs all season. And, you know, this is a guy who's a proven goal scorer, proven point producer, but he's again, he's adding that other element of, I'm going to go in for the puck. I'm going to, you know, cause a little bit of havoc on the forecheck, which I didn't think he had that in his game. But when you're as determined as he is to stay in the NHL, I think that threat of knowing that he can easily go back to the HL is giving him that incentive to play like this. Yeah. And tonight, again, really, uh, really good for, for that line. Those two were also uh, fantastic alongside him. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and hear from our show sponsor, Bilt Bar. And when we return here on the Locked On Leafs podcast, we'll get to our three stars really quickly. And then you and I, Dave, we're going to play some cosine, no sign. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. And Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is best. It is Built Bar Madness. 
Go to BuiltBar.com or do at Built underscore Bar on Twitter. And remember, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. All right, welcome back to the Locked on Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano, the host of this show here on Locked on Leafs with you. Alongside me, I've got Dave Morissuti, a writer for Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. And uh, so, Dave, we just witnessed the Maple Leafs fall 3-2 to two in overtime to the Edmonton Oilers. But strangely enough, like when I look at the three stars tonight, I don't see it filled with Oilers. Like, I, I think that if you take a look at the kind of the game flow chart and you take a look at, uh, you know, some of the, the metrics for tonight and just watching it, the Maple Leafs look like the better team. Like, it was it was a rather up-and-down game. Both teams had their chances. But overall, I think Toronto played a little better. But does that equate to how things rolled out at the end of the game? Obviously not. They ended up losing. But what do the three stars look like for you? And, and I'll start um, with my my third star of the game. And I gave it to the pairing of Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin. Uh, shutting down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl tonight. Uh, they were just fantastic. I think they played uh, 15 of their minutes were against those two specifically. Um, you know, that lineup specifically. And held them off the score sheet until overtime. And technically it was Morgan Riley who was on the ice when McDavid... Uh, got the point in overtime. So to me, Jake Buzzin and uh, Justin Hall, like they were separating him from pucks. They were getting physical with them. Um, really strong gap control. Wasn't allowing them to get into the inside at all. Uh, picking up their man out in front of the net. Like I thought that they played really well. And this is now a couple of games in a row where Justin Hall has kind of gone back to that that play that he had earlier in the in the year. I thought leading up to that kind of stretch of, uh, you know, up until the break, I guess we'll call it, he kind of was starting to teeter off here. And, you know, if you disagree, let me know. But it seemed like he was teetering off, and uh, he's gotten right back into it after this nice rest where he's had eight days of rest over the course of 10 in the last few games. I've really liked what I've seen at Justin Hall, and I like that pairing tonight. Yeah, I, I know I'll actually uh, go with you on that one. They were, they were going to be my third star as well because – they didn't look good in the last game. You know, they, you know, Jake Muzzin on the dry side of goal got stuck, got caught watching McDavid too much. So, and that left dry side open for the one timer, although McDavid just made a great play. So I don't know how much different it would have ended up, but uh, yeah, they were much, much better tonight. I mean, I didn't really see McDavid and dry side control play in the zone and that, that's the bread and butter for that pairing is don't get hemmed in with Dreisaitl and David. If you can, you know, cut off their attack, you do it. You try to do it as quick as you can and just get the puck out. And they did that tonight. And, uh, yeah, so obviously, as you said, McDavid wasn't a factor until he got away from those two. I think that actually speaks a lot to how uh, how they played. And, and the others certainly – did their best to try to get them away from uh, Hall and Muzzin tonight. Yeah, you take a look at like the the course he had five on five. Hall and Muzzin both sixty percent shot share went out on the ice. If that that's you know against the McDavid line, and, and that just goes to show how well that entire line matched up with kind of Marner, Matthews, um, and Simmons getting in there, and and you know they just kind of rotate a couple of players up 
with those guys. Hyman obviously playing a lot with them tonight too. But, um, you know, Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin, I thought also really, really quality games out of them. All right, since we tied for the third star, how about you go ahead and you give me your second star of the game? I am gonna I'm gonna go with Austin Matthews. Two straight games with a goal. Um, you know, I know the last game, it's not exactly how you expect Austin Matthews to score, but um it was pointed out on the broadcast that you know it looks like the shot is starting to come back. Yeah. He he's you know he should have had a goal in the last game where he pretty much put a dent in the crossbar. <laughs> um, you know he's he he's starting to get that that you know confidence in his ability to shoot the puck. I, you know when you have a wrist injury, you know I mean I've just hurt my wrist doing stupid things at home, and I don't want to do anything with that wrist because you're you're just scared of hurting it even more. What were I can you only imagine what, what were you doing at home, David? <laughs> Not not what you're not what you're <laughs> thinking. I've I've I'm telling you I've suffered some pretty stupid injuries just doing yard work at the house. So you're so Italian, so Italian, so, so almost oh, ready to get the garden ready, huh? My my nonna, when I ever do work at her house, she's always worried that I'm going to hurt myself. And I say you being worried is what's going to make me hurt myself, <laughs> not me actually doing it. Uh, the classic Italian nonna being worried about the grandchild. Oh yeah. But yeah, he's 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 starting to get that group back. I was worried whether this was, injury was going to linger, and it still can. Um, but him being able to shoot like he has now, I think, has me a little more optimistic that he's going to be he's going to be all right. Um, so yeah, he has my second star. Yeah, uh, again, I kind of cheated a little bit here when when I put together my second stars stars of the game because I just had the Leafs top six like. I really liked that line. I thought that Matthews and Marner, especially early on, were producing a lot of uh, a lot of chances, and and you know Marner obviously finishing it up with we've got points on both of those, a goal and an assist. Uh, Matthews ripping one home looked a little bit more like himself. Uh, you know, you, we talked about earlier how well the second line played with Galchenyuk, Nylander, and Tavares, and you know overall, I just felt like that top six just overmatched. The uh, the Oilers top six, and if it wasn't for the guy who I have as my number one star, Mike Smith, I think this could have been an easy Leafs victory. Yeah, no, I mean he was. <laughs> Somebody once told me he looks like a road hockey goalie the way he kind of dies. Yeah, he does because because he doesn't yeah. slide; he just jumps no. right. He jumps around yeah. the ice. That's that's funny. I never thought about that, but it's so true. Like he yeah. doesn't like glide and like push his skate to try and and make like a uh, an end to end save. He just jumps and tries and gets himself his whole body in front of the in front of it in front of the puck. It's you're yeah. right. It kind of does look like that. It's unconventional, and honestly, I feel like that's just sometimes what a team like the Leafs, you know, when you throw that kind of different style, it just it frustrates you. I mean, the way he he stops Spezza in the last game, like mm-hmm. that's not a save many goalies make. And uh, yeah, I would say if it weren't for Mike Smith, this could have gone very differently for the Oilers. Yeah. So I mean, I, I assume that's your way of also saying that he was the. The number one star for you as well, because, you know, for me, number one yeah. star, 31 stops, um, was considerably outshot, you know, in the in the slot and the high danger chances. You you take a look at the, uh, you know, the the chart here, the heat map, and, and it's 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 pretty, pretty dark out in front of the, the Maple Leaf zone. So they got a lot of opportunities uh, over on 
on good old good old Mikey Smith, but he made some solid, solid stops here tonight as well. So, yeah, definitely Mike Smith, the number one star of the game, and is the reason why they left there with two full points. Not only one, but two, as uh, the Oilers defeat the Leafs 3-2 to two in overtime. And let's actually take a look and, and update the standings and kind of see what that did for the standings, because... Now you got the Oilers uh, who put, you know, a one-point wedge in there, gets that extra point and kind of shrinks Toronto's lead a little bit. Now uh, I don't know if they've – yeah, I don't think that they've – they may have updated this already now. Um, Edmonton up to yeah, 45 points. Yeah, so Edmonton uh, just two points back, but Toronto does have one game in hand. So, you know, I, they don't play again for the rest of the year. This was it. This was the last game. So that was the last time where Toronto or where Edmonton could try and steal points from Toronto where they play against one another. And and, and now, you know, you think it's actually big that Toronto got that extra point here in this game, although they should have got two arguably, but still because now they get at least that one point. So now they at least have a two-point cushion as opposed to just one. Um, and now they also sit three points ahead of Winnipeg um, which they're now tied when it comes to games played. And Winnipeg currently in action as we speak against the Calgary Flames. So I guess by the time that this podcast gets out, you know, that could be different. Winnipeg obviously uh, will have 36 games played, and they may either be with 46 points or remain there at 44. We'll have to see. But uh, here, let's take uh, let's take one more quick break. And when we come back, Dave, let's get to cosine no sign here on the Locked On Lease podcast. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano with you, the host of this program, the only daily Maple Leafs podcast in the land. So make sure you're subscribed so you get that content each and every day directly to your phone. All right, Dave, you have played Cosign No Sign many times before, but for those who are somewhat new to the podcast or you know kind of forget how we play the game, it's super, super easy. I'm going to make a statement. Dave will make a statement. We'll make statements to each other. If we agree, we co-sign the statement. If we disagree, we will no-sign this statement. So, Dave, you are the guest. I will let you go first. And before we get going, um, I, I believe this is just like full NHL. Like we're going league-wide oh, yeah. storylines here, right? So we typically talk about the Maple Leafs for most of these podcasts. I would say like 88% of this podcast is talked about throughout the week um like strictly maple leafs content but you know what let's talk about some other stuff that's going around the league you know so let's let's see what else is happening in the nhl so i figured this would be a good time for us to kind of touch on those storylines and talk about what's going on whether it's a trade deadline players not playing well teams not playing well so we will uh we will get to all of those so dave why don't you start us off with your first cosign no sign my first one uh Taylor Hall gets traded to a Canadian team. Ooh, Taylor Hall to a Canadian team. 
Um, I'm going to no sign it. Um, because I don't see him going to Edmonton. I don't think Toronto would be interested, especially if the price is a first-round pick like it's being reported. Um, I don't think they would want to go that much for Taylor Hall, a guy who scored two goals this year. Two goals. So uh, I'm going to no-sign it. I think a, a team like maybe Colorado would be interested, and they give up a decent amount for a guy like him. Maybe even uh, St. Louis. They could use some more scoring over there. They're a minus 13 goal differential. Wow. They're not getting goaltending right now. <laughs> Just take a look at that. But uh, So they could use some scoring. That's for sure. Or even I heard Boston might be sniffing around a little bit, uh, looking for some added scoring themselves. Like, they're not scoring at all. What are they? They got 83 goals on the year. Uh, and if you take a look at that league-wide, that's pretty low. That is fifth worst in the NHL when it comes to goals scored for the Boston Bruins. Now, they've played less games than than a lot of these other teams, um, but still, just 83 goals through 31 games for them. So that's not very good. They could definitely use a goal scorer like Taylor Hall. So uh, I'm going to no sign it. I don't think he ends up here in the Canadian division. All right. No, I, I, I think, you know, it's fun to put the narrative of would the Leafs try to get him. I just don't see it. I think... That's like trying to go big for no reason. Like I like you know going. It hasn't really worked out for teams trying to add Taylor Hall at the deadline, and I don't see Kyle Dubas doing that. I think there's other areas that Kyle Dubas can look at to improve uh, that are more uh, more prevalent than adding a Taylor Hall. And even even a lot of the other teams, they said I think the Oilers would benefit from a player like Taylor Hall. I just don't see them having the ability to make a deal like that and Winnipeg uh again Winnipeg I don't think they want to deal with another trade for a guy and have him sit out you know for I mean luckily it would only be a week but still I don't think they want to do that again yeah um all right so my first one to you sticking with the theme of the NHL trade deadline Mikhail Granlin and Matthias Ekholm both are pretty high up on TSN's trade bait board I think both will be traded at the deadline, cosign or no sign. Yeah, see, that's a, that's an interesting one because it's been known that the you know the Predators have taken calls on these guys. They've also kind of shimmied their way back into a playoff position, but I also think David Poyle realizes that you know this team is playing not to the standard that they set. There's some issues on this team and there's guys underperforming and they don't really have many young assets. Like they went with guys that were kind of older and I think they need to, they need to replenish. So I think, yeah, I definitely think Gramlin's getting moved. So I'll co-sign on. And I think at home, there's a good chance. So I'm going to co-sign. So I think, you know, what there's going to be a team that's going to make a pitch for, for both, not necessarily the same deal, obviously, so I think there's a good sign that both get moved because I think Nashville would be smart to just say, you know what, we're just going to stock up on young talent. Well, they're in a playoff position now, but that can obviously change, um, you know, with teams like, you know, even Chicago can catch them, Dallas can catch them, and Columbus, I'm iffy on them, but they, they can, Nashville can easily be out of a playoff spot and then you're just hanging on to assets for like that for no reason. 
They can be, but for me, this is a team that is rolling. They are hot at the right time, um, which also could be the wrong time if they're getting hot a little early and then end up going on a on a downward turn after the deadline. And then I guess that could be categorized as the wrong time. But, you know, this is a team that's won five games in a row. They're, they've won seven of their last ten games. And like you said, they haven't only worked themselves back into the playoff spot. They right now woke up today in a playoff position they're fourth in the Central after this big long run because the Chicago Blackhawks are falling back down to earth. They're not, you know, playing as amazing as they were early in the year. Lankanen has come back down to earth, and Nashville has a really good chance to make the playoffs. And I think that they hold on to at least definitely hold on to Ekholm. Maybe they look to move Granlin because he is a UFA, but Ekholm has another year left on on his deal. So I don't see them trading both of these guys. So I personally would no sign this one. All right, what's your second one? So my second one actually has to do with a little bit of NHL awards. Um, there's one, uh, couple, a couple of players that I've been keeping an eye on. I mean, we know that McDavid's going to win the scoring race, and there's a pretty good chance Austin Matthews wins the Rocket Richard. Mine is actually for the Vesna because I think it's a two-goalie race. And I actually think that this is the year that Julie Grubauer. <laughs> I mean, you you might. I guess you think that Andre Vasilevsky it's his to win. I think it's his to lose. Like, yeah, man, yeah. this guy has been amazing. Like, dude, Vasilevsky hands down to me is the clear cut front runner. Like, there's a zero point zero zero one percent chance that that guy doesn't win the Norris to me. So. Uh, w- whatever your cosign no sign is, whichever is in favor of Vasilevsky winning this one is is going to be my pick. So if you said uh, Grubauer is going to win, that's a no sign for me, dog. That's hey, a no from me, I, dog. I find it interesting only because I always think about who's voting on it. Vasilevsky has been incredible. I'm not saying he hasn't been. Grubauer has also been really good. Like, oh, he's been good. Don't get me wrong; he's been great. But almost, almost comparable, actually. If you really think about the two goalies, I think they've been pretty comparable. Uh, Vasilevsky just gets—you know—he's the superstar. He gets, I think, a little bit more of the attention, and Grubauer doesn't tend to get it because of who's playing in front of him sometimes. But I, I think if either one wins, I wouldn't be upset. I know you might think Vasilevsky gets robbed. But I, I think there's a good chance because everyone's been talking about Vasilevsky. And I said uh, I wouldn't sleep on Grubauer just yet. I don't think it's, I don't think it's as set as a stone for Vasilevsky. That those five shutouts from Grubauer, I think sometimes you know a GM will will say, "Huh, he's got the shutouts though," and that sometimes puts them over. Yeah, perhaps. Um, but then I look at like these. Like, goals saved above average, Vasilevsky leads that one. Goals allowed adjusted, Vasilevsky leads that one. Save percentage, Vasilevsky uh, and Grubauer. Actually, they're tied both of the 930 save percentage. Um, And Vasilevsky is just a couple shy from Colorado's uh, Grubauer when it comes to shutouts. You're right. But, like, for me, you also have to take a look. Like, I just, I don't know, man. To me... I think Grubauer is playing fantastic and is certainly the runner-up and someone in the conversation, but I would be shocked if he got it over Vasilevsky. Like, I'd, I'd be shocked. I, I, he's just 
playing out of his mind right now. There's um, a stat called goalie point share. It's kind of like war, uh, for, mm-hmm. like for, for hockey's version of war. And Vasilevsky has six and a half points of Tampa's point share is accredited to Vasilevsky's play himself, whereas Grubauer has just 5.8 of his points. So, you know, Vasilevsky putting up, uh, you know, some serious numbers in that department. I think that trails just, yeah, just like as a whole, it trails just McDavid and Dreisaitl in the entire league um, in terms of point share. So, I, I you know that, that there's just another reason, like for for Vasilevsky for me, but I guess it's a little closer than maybe I, I let on when I took a little deeper look into the numbers. Um, again, this is why we have these conversations because we don't talk, yeah. we don't really pay attention to what's going on down south. I didn't realize exactly. how good of a year Philip Grubauer is having, right? And, and now, like, I'm kind of changing my tune. I like I still think Vasilevsky is going to win it. Like, what was your actual yeah. question? Was it? So I was gonna say, does Grubauer Grubauer wins the Vesna over Vasilevsky? Yeah, so so I'll no sign it, but it is closer than I originally thought. I will yeah. say that. Uh, yeah, all that's right, where I was going for. my second one here, number two, the Buffalo. Sorry, let me restart that. The Barfalo Sabers, <laughs> who just. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it tonight. They were leading 3 nothing heading into the third period against Philadelphia. They gave up the lead and lost in overtime and extended their winless streak to 18 in a row. This team hasn't won a game in 18 starts. It's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. So my question my statement is that the Buffalo Sabres winless streak will hit 25 games. Ooh, 25. Honestly, it's kind of, I'm going to no sign this one just because the Sabres have come close to winning games two in a row. Now close doesn't mean they actually got it done because they didn't, but I feel like at some point, at some point they're going to catch a team on a bad night and they'll figure out a way to keep a lead. This is Two straight games where they've blown a third period lead. I get that. Um, I don't. I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't. I think I would actually wouldn't be surprised if it reaches 20. 25, I think that's like, man, that that means everyone on the team quit, and you just can't. There's just no salvaging that team. Like even uh, beyond what's I th- been going on. I think they're there already, man. <laughs> like, I mean, no, there's no salvage. Like this team is. I, I'm. I'm on the opinion that they just need go scorched earth 2015 leaves and just start taking the the wrecking ball with the team. I think they're at that level, but I don't know if 25 is good. I don't know if they'll get that bad, but I think that I don't see them winning like, you know, two straight games where you blow a lead like that is it hurts. It really, really hurts. But I also think that they'll, they'll, they're, they're close, which I know it doesn't say much, but they're close. Well, they if they do want to win one of these games, this is a stretch to do it because their next seven games where they would hit 25, they've got the Rangers twice, the Devils twice, the Flyers twice, and Washington once. Three of those four teams, six of those seven games are against non-playoff teams. 
So if they do want to do it, at least they're not taking on juggernauts, you know, like uh, like the Islanders, or they're not playing Pittsburgh, who's playing really good hockey right now. You know, they don't have to play Boston. Uh, they do have the one game against Washington, but it's just one game, not multiples like the other guys. So, you know, I think if they, uh, this is a good time for them to finally pick up a victory. But man. I love to see the world burn, and I'm going to no-sign it. I just don't know if this team can muster up the will to play a complete 60-minute game. I think they've just quit, packed the bags, and they're gone. They're done. And uh, I'm going to no-sign it. I think they they go and lose seven more. That's (laughs) I think they do it. Yep. Yep. Oh, man, that's that's quite... uh... I mean, it, it wouldn't... I will just say this. It wouldn't surprise me if that were to happen... But that that would just be I, that might be actually the worst collapse like since the Buffalo Sabres tried to tank for Connor McDavid in 2015. Yeah. All right, let us go to number three, and yes. Uh, yeah, so it's yours at number three. It's mine at number three. Okay, we we have to at least get a Leafs related one, and I've been of the opinion that the Leafs have a pressing need. And it's a defenseman. It's not a forward. It's a defenseman. I think this team could use not only uh, a bit of help on the line, but I also think that if an injury were to happen to one of their top four guys, this team is in big trouble. So I think the Leafs will trade for a defenseman at the trade deadline. Cosign. Co-sign. Yep. I talked about this today on my locker room, actually. Um, and for those who, who are, aren't familiar with locker room, it is, uh, it's an app that's similar to like clubhouse where you can go in and you can, you can chat, uh, like I'll host a, a room and you can come in and, and, join the conversation you can either listen or I can bring you on as guest speaker and you can talk about it and that was one of the things that we discussed today was on my locker room that I held in during the third period we kind of just touched on a whole bunch of different things uh, but one of the things that we talked about was what do you think the Leafs should do um, at the trade deadline and my answer was uh, I think they need to probably get a top six guy um, as a forward, but I also really believe that they need to get themselves a depth defenseman. So do I think they're going to get a guy like Ekholm? Probably not. A guy like Savard? Probably not. Uh, but certainly like a solid depth defenseman who could come in, and if some injuries occur, you know, you don't have to, to toss in Marty Marincin, right? So just make sure that you have yourself a, a seventh or eighth defenseman who you can toss in in a pinch in the playoffs if some injuries start to start to mount up because you trade away Miguel Lettinen, right? Like you kind of trade away a, a depth defender. Um, so you, you have s- kind of a, a position to fill. And I think that the lease will probably end up doing that. So yeah, I'll, I'll co-sign it. Yeah. I think I I'm, I'm curious like his Cal Lewis has, has made it known. He's willing to pay an ante to get a, you know, a decent player. I also think there's a, you know the cap constraints. So either you're giving up something to get a bigger piece, and I, again, we've heard that at one point Ekholm was available. Oh, but now Nashville's kind of changed its tune last week and said that Ellis might be available. So the other problem is the Leafs have to find a team that's willing to let go of, of a defenseman. That's that's the bigger I think question mark. So. 
I am going to say I'm going to I mean I'm going to sign that they're going to get defensemen. But I think I'm with you in that. I don't know if they're going to be able to swing big for one, even if they're willing to pay the price. Yeah. Because I just don't know wh- who's going to be the ideal target for them. I think it's a guy that can play the penalty kill because I think that's still an area I'm a little worried about and and depth. I I, I just think that you know, one of their top four guys goes down. I'm a little worried about. Who can step up? Definitely. Like, yeah, everyone talks about, like, if, if Muzzin goes down, how comfortable are you with rolling Dermot and Hull as your second pairing? Probably not I don't not even very. like Dermot in the lineup right now, unfortunately. Well, there you go. So, like, you're definitely not going to feel good giving him extended minutes, right? So, I mean, and that's where you think about a guy where, you know, Ekholm would make sense just to give you some serious depth. But I still just don't think that that's where they're going to be. I mean, the cap is is makes it difficult to do that as well. Um, so that's why I see them just making kind of a depth move and somebody who could play a, a third pairing role in a pinch. You know, someone who maybe has some penalty killing abilities in them, maybe like a Travis Hamonic type deal out in uh, out in Vancouver or something like that. So that, that's kind of one of the guys who who I'm thinking about or the type of player who I'm thinking nice. about. All right, my third one to you. Sticking in the North Division, Johnny Goudreau will play out the remainder of his contract in Calgary. In Calgary. His contract is up next season. So will he be in Calgary through to the end of next season? I'm going to no sign. I think I know right now he's being challenged by Daryl Sutter to play better. And sometimes people think that's kind of a a coach's way to, you know, get their best player going. But how many times have we heard that this guy is on the block and Calgary is stuck in this loop that I don't think they're going to get out of until they make, they change something. And I think Gaudreau is a guy that a lot of teams would be interested in. And I think it'd be in their best interest to move him. I think Monaghan is someone that they can work with. Uh, you know, he's playing a desirable position. Um, I, I just think Gaudreau is a guy that they can move to really, put, you know, change things up. And he and he's on a pretty decent contract to move as well. He's got a year left. I think actually they should have moved him earlier. I, I mean, it does not say I don't think Gaudreau is good. I just think that this team has been stuck and they haven't really made a big change other than, you know, adding uh, Jacob Markstrom. And unfortunately, that they can't score. And Johnny Gaudreau is one of their best goal scorers. So you wonder, does that make sense for them to move? It would if they get the right pieces back. And I think they need to go younger. Yeah. I think they need to they need to change something because it's just not the, – the formula in Calgary isn't right. Yeah, he's got two goals, just three points since Sutter took over 10 games ago. And uh, his ice time has been cut down significantly, hovering around 15, 16 minutes, where he was averaging up over 19 minutes, 20 minutes a game. Um, So, you know, he's getting less time. And and that's just kind of the system that Sutter, you know, he wants a, a full team defensive effort. That's kind of what he wants. And that's not really the way, that's not the game that Goudreau plays. So I just don't know if there's a good match there. And I feel like this offseason, 
uh, would be a good time to move him. I mean, if they're out of the playoffs, which I honestly think they are, I I, I think the playoffs is set at this point in the Canadian division. I'd be shocked if they go on a big run or if Vancouver goes on a big run here um, down the stretch. I think it's pretty well locked in at Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal. I mean, I guess you can put them in a blender and see one through four where it ends up, but I think those are the four who's going to be representing Canada in the playoffs. Um, therefore, if Calgary's not going to, I mean, you could consider moving him now and get extra for him because now you're giving two playoff runs to a team for, for a guy like Johnny Goudreau. And I don't know if you heard what Brent Sutter had to say the other day about Johnny Goudreau, but I'm going to play that audio really quickly for those who didn't hear because it was, well, it was something. It was something. Johnny Goudreau plays 500 games tonight at the NHL level. I'm just wondering, you know, mostly as a guy who's coached against him and now working with him, what uh, what have your kind of impressions been of the career he's made so far? And, and then what are you looking to see out of him now at this point? Well, if you're just basing on his 500th game tonight, hopefully he has more energy than in his 499th game. Who says that? <laughs> like, that was such a layup question. And he says... He just totally just wall squad deuce and tosses on one of his best players in Goudreau. Like, are you kidding me? Come on, man. Now, Goudreau did end up having a decent game, but, like, there's got to be friction between those two, and I would be shocked if this this summer, if they don't turn things around, which I don't expect them to do by the summer, he's definitely going to ask... I would think for, uh, you know, kind of a change in scenery. And I think that the Flames could get a decent haul for them and help them in kind of a retool. I don't think they're going to go into a rebuild, but a retool, get a couple of pieces maybe to, to fill out the roster a little bit. They desperately need some, you know, some, uh, some depth there. So for me, I, I'm, I'm going to no sign it. I, I think that he's gone probably not by the deadline. Cause that's a bit of a bigger deal to make, but certainly I think he will not play out the remainder of his contract in Calgary. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised that more NHL teams don't try to capitalize on the trade deadline if you have a player with term because you're telling a team, look, you get them for this playoff run and look, you get them also for next year as well. I don't know why teams don't try to make the, that type of sell and try to get more assets because then it's funny because they're like, oh, they don't trade them now. They could make a trade at the draft. And guess what? A lot of the times the trade doesn't happen at the draft. So I'm uh, I'm very curious to see. I, I think Calgary would be wise to move him. They need to they need something to change. And I, I think when you keep hearing his name coming up, there it's only a matter of time before he asks for, as you said, he asked out. Because how can you continue to play for a team that it seems like every day? They're looking to move and change the direction. Yeah, exactly. That's that's an interesting, interesting team to kind of keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks as the trade deadline looms. See if they end up moving out any pieces, anybody over there, because you know they made the coaching change and it worked for a couple of games. They went on a quick three-game winning streak under Brent Sutter uh, or Daryl Sutter when he took over, and since then just two and five, and uh, really not playing well at all. Close, closer to the bottom than they are to the top 
of the North Division. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Lockdown Leafs and follow Dave at D underscore Morisuti. Uh, Dave, you got any work you're working on that you want to plug a little bit? Well, I just posted today my player of the week, and it's uh, Adam Fox. And, I mean, I didn't realize – I knew he was doing pretty well for the Rangers. I didn't realize how well he had been doing. Great season. If anyone follows my hockey card content in the summer, he was a guy who I was I was big on. I was really big on. I was talking about him and how he's a hockey card that you should go out and get because I thought that he was an underpriced, undervalued defenseman for the Rangers. And – He's proving me right. He's having a, a heck of a season right now. Yeah, I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me, depending on how the Rangers do. He might. I don't think he'll be a, a finalist for the Norse, but I think he'll be in the conversation. Uh, a lot of really? people wow. in New York are making the Brian Leach. Now it's early, but they see similarities between him and Brian Leach, and I was like, "Ooh, that's quite a. It's quite a comparison you're making for a guy who's uh, just over a hundred career games in the NHL." Yeah, that's wild. Brian Leach, he was a heck of a player. Had a cup of coffee with the Leafs, too. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, I remember that I remember that cup of coffee for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, Dave, really appreciate you jumping on the show today. Hope you had some fun. I think the listeners uh, enjoyed our chat, and hopefully they also enjoyed Cosign No Sign. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Mike. If you want some more hockey car, uh, hockey talk, not well if you want some hockey card talk you can check out my youtube channel canadian car collecting <laughs> but if you just want some general hockey talk be sure to check out the locked on nhl podcast where myself and four the locked on hosts discuss the latest around the nhl i'll be back with another episode tomorrow until then keep it locked right here on locked on leafs